This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with Bob Medeo. Bob is the Vice President of Marketing at Sharp Business USA, where he leads the marketing team for the B2B arm of Sharp Electronics. On this episode, Bob talks about customer education, how to use customer feedback, how to decide what talent to bring in-house and what to outsource to partners, his favorite campaign, and much more. This was recorded on the floor of the Serious Decisions 2019 Marketing Summit, so please excuse a little bit of background noise. Having said that, please enjoy this interview with Bob Medeo, Vice President of Marketing at Sharp Business USA. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we are in the Fishbowl Studio in the center of Serious Decisions. Bob, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You know, we are excited to have you to talk all things Sharp Electronics today. <laughs> okay. Uh, and dive into your background a little bit. So first, how'd you get into marketing? Yeah, good good question. So um, I was one of those guys who uh, went to undergrad not knowing what he was going to do, ended up with an economics degree. And when you graduate with an economics degree, you uh, you decide you better go to grad school because no one's going to be an ec- economist, right? So after grad school, I, uh, I was one of those guys who knew everything but didn't really know anything at the same time. And I ended up luckily joining EMC back in the amazing ramp they had as a competitive analyst. Got my hands real dirty with IT technology, supporting the sales force. And I was there for almost 15 years. So that grew out of kind of sales support into a number of market research, then product and solution marketing roles. Tell me a little bit about your current role at Sharp Electronics. Sure. So at Sharp, we've got uh, obviously a consumer business that a lot of people know. It's it's not massive in the States right now, but a lot of interesting things about to happen there. But, you know, it's funny, I was in Asia recently and just the Sharp brand is everywhere and it's yeah. funny coming back home. But we also have a, a pretty vibrant business side. So I run the marketing in the U.S. for our B2B business. Uh, the geos are, are fairly autonomous. So full marketing org, uh, really everything from supporting sales on our channel to the digital and our core storyline in the States on how we're talking to our customers. It is funny, you know, we were talking before this about, you know, a brand like Sharp, which is so recognizable and has been something that you stare at, right? Like it's it's a huge difference to to work in an industry where we you might not necessarily know who makes, you know, your air conditioner or, or whatever it is, when it's your TV, when it's your printer, when it's what, I mean, it's something you're staring at a lot. Uh, you see it over and over and over again. As a brand who's done, you know, billions of impressions on people, do you find it difficult at all to kind of shape positioning and like let people know what you can do from a B2B perspective? Yeah, I think that's a that's the poignant question and one of our big challenges. I mean, the, the good news is on the business side, the customers we have tend to be very loyal, happy customers. 
that's true for both the end user. Uh, our products, one of the main product lines are multifunction printers, think copiers. Winning awards this year for the product line, doing very well. Customers very happy with us in that regard. But the vast majority of business customers don't know us in that space at all. So getting that advocacy from the customers who know us out to others is a big challenge. Getting that brand out. You know, people know us from microwaves. You know, we, are, we build a lot even for third-party brands. People don't know we're us. They know us from TVs, of course. But when you say that we're doing IT services, we have security services, most people might may or may not even know we do copiers, even though we're kind of taking share in that space. We need to figure out how to really leverage those customers and industry standing we have and, and build off that. But it is, it is a challenge. I mean, the good news is there's a positive resonance with the brand almost always, whether it's because they knew us from consumer. Oh, it's interesting you're in business. The question is how to build it up to be a stronger companion to that consumer brand so it's more logical for people when they hear it. Oh, of course, Sharp's doing business services. That's great. Can you explain, you know, so the listeners understand, like, who are you selling to? Who are your ideal buyers? Sure. So we have a pretty varied product line. And so we touch a broad set of customers, I'd say. Tend to be where, if we look at the core business of multifunction printing and copying, I mean, that is very much Uh, Everything from your small business, where it could be a a small law firm or a real estate agency, all the way up to large multinational companies, right? They, They all have generally the same copy print need, and our systems can support that. When you get outside of that, we do a lot of work in things like education. So one of our big products on the display side, which is another very big part of our business, is things like interactive touchscreens, which have really found a home in schools and changing education and working in that space. But again, that where we're going is tying those things together, right? You, you can look at copiers. Of course, in schools, you're printing a lot of things. You can look at displays. How do we show that customer we can do more than more than one area? What's newer for us and newer for me, because I'm relatively new to Sharp, is we do do a lot more on the small business side as well. And, and where we're growing in there is around IT services. So Sharp was very much a, a channel and still is very channel-centric organization, whether it's through distribution on the display side or through copier dealers, if you will, on the office technology side. As we also acquire to build our own direct channel, which we call Sharp Business Systems, they're really building up IT expertise as well. And uh, I'm used to, in some of my history, I mentioned EMC, and after that was Hitachi, selling at very large enterprises. Um, Sharp now is offering IT services to very small customers. So it's been an interesting learning curve for me over the last six months since I joined almost six months ago now, exactly how to recalibrate, because we do want to talk to those large customers. We have solutions for them, but a lot of our new solutions are also going into much smaller businesses. And how do we get our message and our brand to them? Do you think that there's some level of like general education that needs to happen around the brand that is like critical to, you know, introducing this to the new folks, to the net new, net new customers? There is. And I, and I think, you know, it, it, a conference like we're at here at, at Serious Decisions, I mean, it's a good reset as well on what are the priorities, right? Yeah. There's so many things we could do, but I think you're right in the sense of brand education and brand story is critical. So at the Japanese overall global company level, that's one brand story. But let's admit the, the business services may not be as, as sexy, so to speak, as, you know, a robot-based phone, which we're selling in Japan. Yeah, totally. Right? Or, or you know, the, the latest TV or the latest 8K. You know, that's an, an interesting space that we're in now. You go to a show like NAB, lines outside the door to see a small portable 8K camera. Take that to, I want to talk to you about our latest copier. We have to really educate on why are these solutions leveraging that same level of sharp innovation and why do you care? 
And I think that comes to a lot of great marketing going on within the company, but we really need to crystallize on how these pieces come together. And we're really working on that brand story. Uh, I think we're getting much closer on how these kind of smart office technologies make life better for end users. Uh, and I think that's something we're really going to crystallize this year. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me, um, and I'm sure you dealt with this a lot of your UMC days, but <laughs> of like the Intel Inside commercials, right? Where it's like, you know, this huge campaign that still I'm, still happens uh, about like, you know, Intel where they're evangelizing something that's in the thing. Like the end user quite literally never deals with this thing, right? And so how you position something like that where it's like, what's under the hood? Like, why would the user ever care what's under the hood? Like, you know, why would you care what muffler you have of your car? Like, you just want your car to work, right? Or not even, you don't even want your car to work. You just want to get to your destination. Right, right. And and I think regardless of how well a brand is known, ensuring that you're telling telling the story about the destination and not the the what i think is critical and and it's an interesting one because in the in the copier space it's still a brand you still see it you interact with it but i even test with a lot of people i meet you know like hey you know do you even know what the brand of copier you have in your office is and part of that uh, i'm pushing and part of it i'm learning right and i think that's been interesting coming into the new organization the part i push on is you know we have the first um, alexa based ai where you can talk to the copier now how many people want to talk to their copier is an interesting conversation, right? I mean, you know, hanging out late in the afternoon, talking to your copier, you might have different questions, but uh, <laughs> the idea that you can tie these things into a smart office and have interconnected systems and really cool things that can happen with moving information around and making it easier for people who are not maybe able to use a system, you know, it's a good way to make it, uh, you know, more sensitive to people who have challenges using it, just different ways of making it accessible. That's a value proposition totally. of what we're doing. And this market in general has allowed ourselves to think that there's just such compression in differentiation that it almost seems we're afraid to talk about it from time to time. But when I see things like a platform that people can write software to and have their software show up on our display to manage their content, or you can talk to the copy or tie that into other smart office things you're doing with your systems, I think there's value to be had there and we need to be able to express that. Especially for something like copiers. I mean, the most famous copier content is probably in uh, office space. I am you know? well aware. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but no, and I think that it's one of those things, like it's like going to the doctor, right? You only go when you're sick, right? You only notice the brand when you're like, this this stupid thing isn't working. That's right. Um, and I think there's a lot of products out there, and, I, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners kind of feel this way about their product, that it's just, you're, it's supposed to work, right? right? All the time. Right. And when it doesn't, that's the, that's the point of contention. So as a marketer, you're marketing it working all the time, right? That's you're right. making the promise, uh, not keeping it. That's right. And the challenge I think we face, uh, and a lot of marketers, especially, uh, let's be honest, Sharp tends to be a product-centric company. We are, you know, not, we're not unique here, right? We're in that transition to more of a solution-oriented conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to do that by tying products, which I'm sure we'll get to. But, you know, when you're really focused on product, getting from the, not talking about the widget, but the why and the ha- what does it do for you is critical. And I think we're going to enable ourselves to get there. One way is tying these things together. So as Sharp has gone through some interesting times recently, you know, we're kind of feeling uh, we've got a really good path now. We've had some major investment from Foxconn. Some people may know that. They have access to things like Belkin, Linksys, all these mm-hmm. other tools within our family now. That we can begin to look at, we recently purchased the um, consumer and business laptop division off Toshiba, re- being rebranded as Sharp Product, it, called Dynabook as they use it in Japan. And I think the what's going to 
kind of turbocharge our conversation for solutions is when I can talk to an user, not about the copier, but I can talk about is all your office technology, the displays you need for digital marketing, the communication system. We're doing some really interesting work with Microsoft. I can have a, a value conversation. Now, the challenge on us is I don't only have to educate the end user about Sharp being able to do that. I need to make sure we have the sellers who are educated and able to bring that message to the, the customers. And that's a big learning curve for someone who is typically selling displays and copiers at more of a compressed differentiation. Forget who wrote the post about basically innovation happens in two ways, bundling and unbundling. And I forget who that was, but, but yeah, it's this idea that there's the one-off use cases of, you know, hey, you, you want to you want a one-off copy or whatever. But most people, you know, now going forward want their entire office to be like all the hardware to just be like integrated, set up, IoT, good to go. I can talk to it all. I can do whatever. Or maybe I can't talk to it yet, but I want to be able to. Yep, we're getting there. Um, and I think that that type of solutions-oriented stuff is is super exciting. But it's also exciting from a marketing perspective because it adds a level of complexity to your storytelling that is exciting. Like right. The, right. The, the solution of, hey, we solve your problem, like you hand us the money and you it's done for you when, and, is exciting. And part of what excited me about this role when I came over was I spent a lot of my time on the IT side talking about data and it's all in the data center. At the end of the day, in the data center, you're curating and taking care of this information so that business users can do something with it. And most of those users are sitting in offices or they're trying to teach students in a university or what have you. And it's that last mile where we're now really coming in and helping get that data into the right hands of the right people. So a lot of our focus now is on improving the meeting room, right? When you walk into a meeting room, I don't know about you, but we've all seen the funny, you know, memes online about what does a conference call look like? Oh, or what so is a meeting? good. Those yeah. are so good. They're, they're one, but it's, it's reality. And the reason they resonate is we all can't connect. We all can't figure out why is my image not on the screen or who brought the file. Um, so when you begin to tie all that technology together and then you can bring out new products. So we're in this new space called the Windows Collaboration Display with Microsoft. Single cable, plugs in, charges your laptop, presents your entire desktop experience. You know, we're working on the software that allows that to really pull all your files along with you. Or when you walk up to a device and you want to print that information for the meeting, it knows who you are and can get that done and kind of follows you around. I mean, that's the opportunity to add value on top of just, hey, we think our copier is better. Let me show you why. This is why your office experience will be better. And I think the real marketing challenge is, you know, we're used to a very specific product conversation to a buyer. In this space, there's, if, if I think of a smart office and, and one of the things devices can do that we're going to bring out this year is pull information. We're sitting in a very interesting fishbowl here, right? What's the humidity in here? What's the temperature? How's the air quality? We'll All be able to high, pull that. high and low. High, high. <laughs> that is the moment. But hopefully we can keep some of, some of our customers' conference rooms from not doing that. So that's, that's about tying the cloud and back end. How are we going to educate people on that conversation? The CEO cares about like, am I sending all, I, I joke internally, are you sending all your smart people to a dumb room? Like, you know, where's your investment going in those people? That's great. Uh, you know, there's a facilities person that says, they're telling me I got to add space. Are my conference room is even being used? If we can see that there's all ghost meetings because there's no motion and you've had this meeting set up for two years. So there's these different users that we need to figure out what are those personas? What messages do they care about? It's not just, hey, you know, my copier can sell you money because it's not going to break. Yeah, it's a great insight. And uh, I love the I love the smart people in dumb rooms because when you work at a huge company, you know, you have this level of someone else did it. I, I want to be protective of that, right? Someone booked the room. Someone 
put this here. You know, there's a lot of like pass the buck mentality, right. uh, or, you know, that kind of blaming mentality that is not meant to be malicious. It's right. just like, well, somebody else put this there for a reason. That's right. right. Um, and a lot of that and, and AI and machine learning, and all this stuff, why it's so powerful is like it detects trends. So we interviewed for our podcast, Future of Cities, we interviewed uh, Dino Roberts, who's the head of facilities at Slack. Amazing guy. Shout out to Dino. Yeah, I mean, the stuff that they're thinking about for their buildings at Slack is like absolutely amazing. Like twice as many seats for every, uh, or you don't want, you want twice, basically. As many people for seats. Yeah, for every desk, you want basically a meeting area that they could go sit at, how the rooms are interactive, motion sensors. And one of the things is that all of that stuff, the machines are really good at detecting abnormalities. Humans are horrible at that. Um, And so, you know, it, it allows things like instead of having 10 security guards that walk around the halls, right. you have one security guard. AI uh, that tells them where to look. Yeah, and robots that are roving the halls and, right. and can tell, can detect things. So it's that type of stuff, smart rooms and smart offices. And I think part of what we've realized is like, especially anyone in the office tech space, which starts typically at a copier and works its way out. It's a, it's a fun name I'm getting used to. Uh, but at the end of the day, we probably are not the ones who are going to determine the future of the office, right? Sharp in and of ourselves, if we're realistic, isn't going to determine what the future office looks like. The Microsofts, the Amazons, the Googles, the those are the players and some others I'm, you know, probably should remember that will. So we see one of the big differences in our strategy with some of those that we're up against is a lot of our companies are Japanese. They know how to build the best product, engineering and, and manufacturing excellence this isn't about necessarily building the best next widget, especially in the software space. It's understanding the platforms that are going to redefine the office. I think of Microsoft's platform and what they're doing with Teams and 365. You think of Amazon and how it can use Alexa and smart office. What Google has done, for instance, in schools, how do we participate in that ecosystem, add value where we can, but leverage what those vendors are doing? That's where we think we're hopefully differentiating from some of our you know, build it ourselves. We know how to build everything kind of competition. I think there's a value there because I think I'm not going to train you on a completely net new tool, but if I can help integrate into a Microsoft environment, add a little bit of value that they're not adding, I think that's going to be our win to help simplify that office environment. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, back to something that's been really popular here at Serious Decisions and is, you know, something we talk a lot about on the podcast is like the idea of the customer journey and the customer experience. And like, how do you talk to those people over over time and get insights from them? And when you have a relationship, like a B2B relationship with them, you can ask them stuff. (laughs) You can figure out if it's working. Uh, You can provide feedback. How do you look at seeking feedback from your customers? Yeah, it's it's a good question. And for me personally, I just like to be involved and actually go out myself as much as I can. But I would say as a company, in making this transition from being almost exclusively channel-led to building more of a direct arm by, as we've been consolidating uh, some of the dealers as our sharp business systems. When I joined uh, back in November, it was the first time we've actually brought together the marketing of our direct business as well as our channel business. They actually run as two completely separate entities. The main reason that was so valuable to me is how can we inform the marketing? Our channel, our dealers need messaging that resonates with end user customers, just like we do. But it's much easier to walk down the hall to someone selling in New Jersey, which is where our headquarters is, and ask how things are being received and work that through all of our content. So to me, it's direct engagement with the sales force as much as possible, participation in their events, and just getting involved with listening to the feedback. I'd say we probably still have a little ways to go on more of a structured feedback loop, but the sales teams are very open to involving us in the conversation, and that's just where we've been inserting ourselves. 
I want to switch gears a little bit to serious decisions uh, and some general marketing kind of thoughts here. What were some of your biggest takeaways from the past few days, you know, being around a ton of B2B marketers? It's funny because um, I have worked with Sirius uh, a couple years ago for a bit. Uh, it was new to Sharp, and I, I wanted to make sure some of the team was here too. And I enjoy this for a few things. One, I, I just love the the big picture thinking in a way because, you know, as I say to my team at, at corporate a lot, we get pulled into the trees very quickly. I like to pull back every so often and remind myself of the forest. And I view uh, Sirius and, and working with them, I try to keep some of those projects at more of a strategic level. And that's the angel on my shoulder that says, hey, it's great you're doing all this tactical work. Don't forget to figure out this strategy item. One of the things, I mean, the, the, that was clear to me from this event was the topic around customer obsession. So, I mean, everything here is around, are you really learning about your customers, understanding what they want? And I think we have, because of our history, we can occasionally think dealer is the end user customer and they are a huge, important customer. And we're always going to have a, a thriving channel, I, I imagine, right? But making sure we bring end user insights back was yeah. a big one. I think it also means uh, we've had a different view of enablement. Just as we sit here on this very vibrant vendor floor, the focus on sales enablement tools. And we've got a pretty good infrastructure in place in terms of Salesforce and other things and actually talking with Pardot here and we're going down a path there and learning uh, what their capabilities are. So we're, we're in relatively good shape on a lot of that. But if you look at some of the sales enablement tools you can layer on top, I think it's it's been interesting to talk to end user practitioners. How are they actually deploying some of that? Yeah. I also enjoy hearing everyone talk about their work and then at the very end of the presentation say, well, you know, we don't have all this figured out, you know, totally. it, it, yeah. and it, it half the battle here is you realize your eyes continue to be open on what's possible. And then you feel a little bit better when you you talk to even the best companies in the industry and they say, yeah, we have the same data problems. We have the same. So we're all in this together. And it's just nice to know some of the challenges, how people are getting past them. You know, the other thing I was going to say, uh, other topic here, really taking campaigns to the next level is a big one for us. I would say the team uh, in many ways has been doing a lot of wonderful pieces of marketing, but we could even do more of a job to tie those to, together better and leverage some of the tools that we have in place. As we build solutions, I think it's going to be critical. It's so much easier to have a solution conversation with a campaign and an end user content that pulls it all together. And we've been doing a little bit too much silos. And I think it's a good reminder here of what's possible when you, when you do campaigns right. Yeah. What types of content are you looking at creating? You know, I think I probably echo what many people are saying. I mean, there's been a lot of move toward video. The good news is we have an in-house video team that can do some creative stuff with us. So, you know, the good news that I'm in a, I'm in a blessed and interesting situation in that I work for the CEO of the, the business B2B side, uh, and he came up through marketing at the company. Oh, um, wow. There we go. So the good news is, hey, um, the good news is he has a full understanding of what we can do. The, the flip side is because he'd been coming up and he was COO and CEO, you know, he'll be the first to say he was paying less attention for a while than, you know, on marketing than everything else, just because he had so much going on. So he likes to joke that I'm coming in and changing a lot, but the reality is he's very on top of what's there. We've got his blessing to try things, but because he was doing so many things, the eye had come off the ball a little bit on content development and other things. So the good news is it's a green pasture and I'm really pushing and I'm trying to learn what resonates with the, the group, but we are, we're trying a bunch of things, we're doing a lot of video. We really took a lot more focus on buyer's journey. They weren't really measuring our content creation over the buyer's journey for our solution. So we've brought that in and we're doing some of that now. And really, it's just getting new things out there. And, and one of the things I'm trying to say on the team, especially when it comes to snippets and things for social, just try something. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's not 
it's a little bit different. We're not in sales or in marketing, right? We get a second at bat. So let's give it a shot. You know, as long as we're not breaking some unbreakable barrier here, or you're, you know, going off the rails on uh, a topic we shouldn't talk about. Let's try some things. Anything else on, uh, on serious decision, any other kind of final thoughts or just general marketing kind yeah. of thoughts? No, I mean, uh, to me, I think the, the power of what's available to us now on platforms is really forcing us and a lot of companies to think about what do you do in-house and what do you bring partners in for? That's one of the things that I've spent a lot of time thinking about as I talk to all these great vendors, whether it's sales enablement, whether it's AI and how you process leads. Uh, you know, some of the vendors here will just have you give them the whole entire demand gen process. I don't know that we're ready for all of that per se, as we build up our content and a lot of these platforms are maybe one step ahead of where we are right now. But I think it, it really does force a hard look on where do you build talent internally? How do you focus a culture on the team to be comfortable with the idea of finding the pieces you want to do that you're going to be successful at, knowing where you can't to bring a partner in to go faster? Because I think like any space, our space is moving very, very quickly through consolidation, through new vendors. You get people like HP coming in from the IT side, all of these different things. How can we increase the pace of what we do in marketing? And part of that's going to be picking the right partners and the right platforms that are external. What's your favorite campaign that you've ever done or worked on? Oh, wow. You know, it's funny. Uh, I would say it was probably well back in my history when I did a lot of partner marketing mm -hmm. and um, I was very involved in what EMC did with Microsoft and we had a lot of joint campaigns with them. And the reason it was so interesting to me is it was at a time where there was a competitive nature between the companies because they had purchased, EMC had purchased VMware. Yeah. Companies were trying to figure out whether or not they could get along. Uh, and in fact, the Balmer and Tucci respectively were, were an interesting duo and they got along real well and they were trying to make it work. And so we were able to build a go-to-market program and campaign between the companies on some very narrowly defined areas that we knew we could partner. And actually, it was it was pretty successful. We were to continue that relationship after three years, get new investment and such. So to me, that was interesting just because of the complexity around it and how yeah. you had to understand the partner go-to-market. I see a lot of opportunities, again, now where Sharp is really diving in with Microsoft. And Microsoft has such big goals and ambitions and priorities. Now, they are an entirely different company than they were during the Balmer days, certainly. But uh, understanding that go-to-market machine and taking advantage of it, I'm hoping that next time we're here, I'll have a new campaign on the sharp side that'll that'll mimic that success. What about a campaign that uh, wasn't one of your favorites? <laughs> you know, I would say uh, at a different company, you know, one of the things we sometimes would do is over-architect the message. So we had a campaign around a new launch large storage environment and array. And we came up with super clever messaging and would forget occasionally to pull back and say, do we have the investment and awareness in this market to create a category? And the answer was no. And the answer was there was already a good enough category there. And uh, we probably should have done a better job of riding its coattails rather than over-architecting a message. So we had this great fully thought out thing that nobody was searching for, nobody cared about. And yeah. we ended up losing a lot of the value of time spent there. So that was, you know, big old enterprise storage, pretty well-defined market. You know, we probably got uh, one step too tricky for our own good. That's it. That's a really good insight because I think it's one of those things where it's, we either got to commit to this for a lot of years and put a lot of, you know, budget and headcount behind it, or we probably shouldn't be focused on it. Well, and, and 
I think it's, you know, trend jacking is important. The question is, are you a trendsetter or are you a trend jacker, right? So the reality of, and these, this was another Japanese company. I'm in one now. I mean, look, we have a great marketing team, but most people don't think of large, excellent Japanese manufacturing companies being marketing led. Yeah, that's most a good te- point. Most technology companies aren't marketing led, if we're yeah, honest, right? That's true, yeah. So to think that we will necessarily be the ones who say, even in smart office, am I going to redefine the only way to talk about it? Yeah, I don't know but I can help shift it. And we have these conversations a lot, whether it's around display and what we're doing in 8K, which we actually have some leadership in there. How much can we craft the way the market talks about something? How much should we get onto a conversation in market and just have our say? Or how much do we just fast follow, much like a product story? What is a really good piece of advice that you got early in your career? I'd say one of the best pieces of advice I got early was really just about being able to be confident and speak your mind. And so I'd, I'd risen up reasonably quickly through a management structure at EMC and took on people I was in my 20s and such. It's that sort of getting past that imposter problem of totally. uh, just, you know this topic better than the people in that meeting room. Be confident in what you're talking about and feel free to speak truth to power about it. I think that's one of the things I've taken with me. I try my best not to shy away from the hard conversation. And that comes from early people saying, if you know this, you know, you speak your mind. EMC had wonderful culture. Some pieces of it were better than others, but one of it was um, being able to go have that hard conversation. Let's get into the lightning round. Fast and easy questions. Awesome. Just like marketing automation from Pardot. Fast and easy. Oh, I like that. Hope so. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about how great Pardot is and how they're the B2B marketing automation platform for the world's number one CRM. Fast and easy questions. Are you ready, Bob? I am. I am ready. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? The most fun? Well, this is going to sound like a cheesy play to you, but because I've just started listening to podcasts, I am all about the podcast app. I'm like the I'm like the Fred Flintstone of the podcast age. I'm just <laughs> figuring it out. But uh, I'd say I'm using that one. I mean, I'm pretty boring on my phone. Otherwise, you know, between Twitter and the podcast, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty tame. Favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? I'm not going to just tell you you're my favorite podcast. That's too easy. I'm already in the fishbowl. Yeah, you can't. Um, you, yeah, you can't. You can, we don't need the plug. So I'll say a book that I that I enjoyed recently and I've been trying to uh, espouse back at the office is. Um, uh, Why Simple Wins, Lisa Bodell. Um, it's just really about peeling back how we overcomplicate things and why that is. And she's got some good rules that um, that I like to revisit every so often. Favorite vacation spot? Oh, man, that's tricky. I do love the travel. Uh, we spent a couple of weeks in Thailand over the summer, and it was awesome. I don't like to pick a favorite because I'd like to see all of the other places. I don't know that I'll get to all of the other places, but we're going to try. Favorite team? <laughs> I'll say the U.S. national soccer team, although... Nice. Although they uh, they need to step it up a bit uh, with this new crowd of players. But yeah, I am a... Uh, funny, I work in a um, office full of like Yankees fans and basketball fans and football fans and gets me out of a lot of conversations I don't need to have. <laughs> Polisic's the man. He is quite a player. He is quite a player. I love the international game, but U.S. will always come first. Yeah. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more? You're going to 
be shocked about this one on a marketing podcast. So I'm going to take that as a work-related question I don't get asked. No, it's, uh, it's whatever you want. But but on this one, I think it's relevant for this. And this is a maturation process of what we're doing at Sharp. I'd like to get asked about lead generation. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I'm not right now. Now, doesn't mean we are not giving leads, but it is not an active topic between sales and channel yet with marketing team about the quality, the frequency, how we're doing on leads. And, you know, that's concerning me. So that's something that we're going to we're going to fix. But I'd say on on that one, uh, on the business side, that's a question I think I should be getting asked a lot more. What technology or trend are you most excited about for the future marketing? You know, I think it, it, it's hard not to say AI. The problem with that is there are so many elements of it, whether that's how we use it to accelerate in the funnel. So there's some really cool conversations here on the show floor about automated responses and simplifying that inside sales role. What I'd like to see is how can it accelerate something? So if I've downloaded this, instead of saying, do you want a phone call only? How can it say, hey, I see you like this. What about, what are you interested in? I might be able to suggest some more content for you or some more actions. I think that could be really impressive when how AI gets used in that way. There's so many other elements that that's going to be, but I think that's critically an area that's going to impact marketing dramatically. Bob, that's it. That's all we got. All right. I'm good. I, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. It was awesome having you in studio. Um, and we're, uh, we're really excited to, to follow along. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we're on quite a journey. I'll be listening to you guys on your journey. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. appreciate that. Anything to plug? No, I just uh, keep an eye out. You're going to see a lot of cool things coming from Sharp, but what we're doing in the display side and collaboration, smart office, just follow along. You follow on, uh, on social, follow me, follow somewhere, but yeah. uh, just glad to be involved in the conversation with you guys. And we'll link it up in the show notes. Thank Thanks you very so much. much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands. 
to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.